The Nikon Z180-600 F5.6-6.3 zoom is now just beginning to hit the shelves and pre-orders are starting to be filled. And that's how I got mine. I pre-ordered it when it was announced. I also paid for it with my own money, so I'll be giving you my honest opinion of this lens as I work my way through it. If you'd like to see a video I made of this lens along with samples to view, go to my YouTube channel at TV510. Hi, this is Terry Vanneryden, professional photographer and your host of the Nature Photography Podcast. Talking today about the 180-600 zoom lens by Nikon. I bought this lens to pair with my Z9 camera, and I'll show you what I've discovered while using this lens. Some quick stats to begin with. The lens is a zoom lens that goes from 180 millimeters up to 600 millimeters. There are 25 lens elements separated into 17 groups. This lens is built with nine rounded diaphragm blades for the opening. It has a fluorine coating to help reduce glare and the whole lens has internal focusing. Now this is not an S lens, which means first and foremost, it's gonna cost you way less money. It's also not gonna give you quite the robust build as an S lens would. So it's not quite as durable and abusable as the S lenses. The outstanding weatherproofing that comes with the S lens won't be built into this lens either. However, Nikon says that all the moving parts are sealed against moisture and dust. Now this just means you need to be a little bit more considerate of your lens when it comes to exposing it to the elements. When you're out shopping for a long lens for wildlife photography, the first thing you need to consider is the focal length. Now this is a hard choice sometimes, but I'll give you my breakdown and it might help you when it comes to making a decision when working with long glass. When it comes to wildlife photography, there's seldom a single long lens that fits every single need. That's because different subjects require different tools to capture them properly. Now let's start with birds. Since the subject matter is small and mostly pretty skittish, you're gonna to wanna to have the longest lens available to you. I'd say to start with at least a 300 millimeter of focal length for photographing birds. But if you can afford more length, then try to get it. For years, I've been using a 600 millimeter lens for my bird photography, and I find that between 400 and 600 is a pretty good range for the feathered subjects. When you're out with the idea in mind to photograph larger game, like say moose or elk or bear, most of the time the safe accessibility to the animal is going to determine what lens you should be using. I was traveling around Grand Teton National Park one morning and I had my landscape camera gear set up on my camera. That's usually my Z9 and my 14 to 24 zoom, a collection of filters, tripod, and a cable release. On the other camera, I had the 600 F4 fitted with the second Z9 camera. I was purposely intent on shooting landscapes that morning, meaning that that was my main focus, but I also know that cruising around in a park like Grand Teton, a wildlife subject can pop up just about any time. And that's what just happened to us. We came around a turn on this side road and right in front of us was a small herd of moose. I grabbed my 600 millimeter and I realized I was too close. Where we stopped the car, when we just saw the moose, we were just too close. I could only get the moose face in the viewfinder. As what a lot of times happens in national parks when other photographers are driving around, they see a photographer that stopped with a long lens on their camera and they think, wow, there must be something to see there. And then all those people race over and start jumping out of their cars to get their own photographs. 
Most of the time, the simple answer to being too close to a subject is just move back, right? Move the camera back until you get the composition the way you want it. In this case, we had many other tourists all of a sudden with their regular cameras and some of them with iPhones trying to get their own photographs of the moose. This eliminated the possibility for me to move back to get a more environmental shot of the moose. If I had moved back, people would have crowded in and left me with just shots of the backs of those people's heads. This is where I wished I had a zoom lens. You see, with a zoom lens, while most people think in terms of how much closer a shot you can get when you zoom in the lens, I look at the lens as being versatile enough to go wider and capture more of the habitat of the animal I'm photographing. The zoom works both ways for a reason. With small game, like birds, the 600 millimeter of the lens will fill out just about every need that you have. But with the ability to zoom out, larger game can be photographed safely and give you the ability to include habitats and the backgrounds that you want. So having a zoom lens that's easy to operate will mean that this lens will stay in your camera most of the time when you're out shooting wildlife. So let's break down the Z180 to 600 zoom lens by Nikon. On the lens itself, you have a few customizable buttons, one customizable ring, and going from the camera body out, you have a button for turning the lens off of autofocus and over to manual focus. This can be used to manual focus something whenever you want. I only use this button when I'm shooting video or maybe when the lens is struggling to find a focus lock. I might just focus it myself or you might find it useful if you don't use back button focusing. With back button focusing, you can elect to set the focus and then take your thumb off the focus button to be completely in manual focus mode. If you're not using back button focus, then this AF off button might be more useful to you. If you're using shutter button to focus, then your AF system might try to grab something else at the instant you're pressing the shutter. Turning the AF off will allow you to be more precise with your focusing in this particular scenario. If you're not already using back button focusing, do a Google search on how to set up back button focusing for the camera that you're using. If you're using a Nikon Z9, I have a video on my channel that will step you right through it. Just search on YouTube for Nikon Z9 Top 5 Wildlife Settings. My video should pop right up. The next little button on the lens is the Focus Limiter button. For example, this tells the lens that you don't want to focus on close items and only want to focus on the things that are farther reaches of the lens. This feature goes from full autofocus over the complete lens, or you can slide the button and eliminate autofocusing from happening from anywhere in the window between six meters and closer. So that's where you basically are turning the autofocus off on the close-up subjects. This button can improve your wildlife photography, so you should learn how to use it. While this is a useful button, make sure to turn it back on to full auto when you're done with it. That way you have full use of your lens when you're out and around. Going down the lens a bit further, you have the tripod foot. This is integrated into a complete ring assembly. It means you can remove the foot and make the lens more usable for hand holding. The downside here, and this is no surprise from Nikon, the foot is not Arca Swiss. This means you have to add your own Arca Swiss plate to the foot to work with any tripod that you might be using that very popular Arca Swiss mounting system. A pro tip, when connecting an Arca Swiss plate or a video head plate, whichever, the Nikon foot 
comes with two standard tripod holes. Make sure to use them both. The most common size screw hole is the quarter 20 threaded hole, like most plates have. But the other one on this lens is a 3 8 inch hole. So in order to use it, you can just get a 3 8 inch quarter 20 adapter bushing and thread it into that hole before you start. Now you essentially have two quarter 20 screw holes to use. It's important that you use both holes to screw in a lens plate. One attachment by one screw is just not gonna be good enough for this size of a lens. The weight of the lens can create leverage and turn and work itself loose. So use both holes when connecting a plate. Next up, going down the lens, is the customizable control ring. You can program this ring to give you quick access to camera controls. Now you only have a few options when programming this ring, but here's the step-by-step -step for the Nikon Z9. Go into the menu and scroll to Custom Settings menu. Scroll to Controls, then go to Custom Controls for Shooting. Here you can use the multi-selector button to scroll around and you can see buttons all over the camera and the lens show up in yellow. That means that you can reprogram that button that's highlighted. Scroll until the control ring shows up in the little drawing. Press OK. Now you have four options to, to program it to. Focus, aperture, exposure compensation, and ISO sensitivity. And of course you have none. Now you can use whatever you like, but one tip I have for you is that be very careful about the choice of ISO sensitivity. I had a lens set to this option before, and it was really super easy to inadvertently, while I was shooting, send it up to 12,800 before I even realized it. I programmed my ring to focus, but choose whatever works for you. Going towards the front of the lens is the zoom ring. It's large and easy to grab. It's really the largest movable item on this lens, so finding the zoom ring while you're looking through the camera is pretty simple. In fact, Nikon calls it the high-speed zoom ring. This means that with just a simple twist of the wrist, you can zoom from 180 to 600 millimeters, and this movement is super fast. A lot of zoom lenses will make you twist your hand well over the top of the lens to zoom from one end to the other. However, with this 180 to 600 lens, you can zip between the focal lengths really fast. Now this is a great feature. Lastly, on the end of the lens are four LFN buttons. These are programmable via the camera's menu, and you can map these to do many different functions. One thing to keep in mind is that even though there are four different buttons, when you program one button, all the other three will do exactly the same function. Having four buttons just makes it a little bit easier to access them while you're shooting. To program this button, go into the menu, scroll down to Custom Settings menu, then scroll to Controls, that's the F, then look for Custom Controls Shooting Menu, just like before. Click OK, and then I'll get you to see all the little buttons that are highlighted. You can go around the camera body, and eventually you're going to get to the lens. When you first look at it, you'll see that two buttons that might be programmable on the menu of the Z9. There's an LFN and an LFN2 button. While the LFN2 button looks like from the drawing that's in the proper spot of this lens, and maybe we should be able to program it, it's not. If you try to program it, nothing's going to happen. You need to highlight the LFN button. And even though the drawing is a little off, this is the button you want to program. You can click OK, and now you scroll around and see lots of different options of what you can program in this button.
Currently, I have it set to switch between FX and DX and back. This just tells the camera that I want to shoot in the crop sensor mode to get a little closer to my subject if I want to. Yeah, it's a little smaller file, but I'd likely be cropping that information out anyway, so this is what I've currently set this lens for. But there are lots of choices, so find out what works for you. Once you press the menu button, you're locked in on all those settings. As we get into this lens, a nice feature is that the lens doesn't change length when zooming. This means that if you mount this onto a gimbal system and or a balanced video head, you won't have to rebalance it every time you're changing the focal length. This lens has ED glass, which stands for extra low dispersion glass. With ED glass, it helps maintain the correction of chromatic aberrations. These aberrations can manifest as color fringing, mostly with red, cyan, and blue and yellow. While the ED glass doesn't eliminate all this together, it's a really nice feature to have on all of your long telephoto lenses. This lens has VR, vibration reduction, or some people call it image stabilization, built into the lens to the tune of five and a half stops. So let's talk about VR and what it means to you when you're out photographing. The VR inside this lens is created by the use of a floating lens element inside the lens. The camera senses how the element is moving and then shifts that element through electronics of the lens to compensate for that movement. Now this can give you a lot of freedom when you're hand holding your 180-600 zoom lens. Five and a half stops means that you can shoot something five and a half stops slower than you normally would and the lens will help keep it sharp. The problem that many photographers have is that no amount of VR can correct for the movement of the subject. Vibration reduction steadies the camera and the lens, but not the subject. VR should only be depended upon when you're shooting static subjects. Now, most of you know that there are moments where an animal is frozen still, and that that is the shot where the VR will help tremendously when you're out shooting in those lower light conditions. And let's face it, just about all of our encounters with wildlife are under low light conditions. So this VR feature is very handy. So when I talk about low light conditions, this brings me to the f-stop of the lens. It's a relatively small at its widest aperture, being f5.6 to 6.3. This means you're not gonna be able to shoot subjects that are moving under low light conditions. Before we break this f-stop business down into detail, let's talk about what it means to have a floating f-stop on your lens. You may have other lenses that have floating f-stops. A floating f-stop means that at 5.6 is the widest aperture you can get when you're zoomed back to 180 millimeters. However, when you zoom into 600 millimeters, the widest aperture is now f6.3. The widest aperture will change as you move the zoom lens. So somewhere in the middle, it'll be f6, so on and so forth. You might be used that some of your zoom lenses may have fixed aperture lenses. An example of that is the Z70-200 f2.8 lens. This lens remains at f2.8 no matter what focal length you choose. This feature of the one f-stop across the entire lens is usually found on the more expensive zoom lenses. This floating maximum f-stop is not a deal breaker, but it's mostly something you need to be aware of. This all means that when you're out shooting wildlife in the early morning or late in the evening, you may have to bump up your ISO in order to compensate for when you're out at the 600 millimeter range, or wait until the subject is staying still before you can get the shot. 
When it comes to sharpness, I'm pretty confident this is a good lens. When you use all the best practices for sharpness, like having the lens on a steady base, such as a tripod or a monopod, focusing on the eye of the animal that you're trying to capture, and keeping your ISO as low as you can while still maintaining a fast enough shutter speed to stop the action. You can produce some stellar shots with this lens. And as far as sharpness goes, if you want to learn more about how to get those razor sharp images, check out my ebook called Razor Sharp Nature Photography. You can get it only at my website, imagelight.com. That's spelled I-M-A-G-E-L-I-G-H-T.com. And click on the digital products page. I'll leave a link in the show notes below if you want to help support this podcast and pick up a copy for yourself. For a second, let's talk about the weight of this lens. I weighed this lens with a strap, a Z9 body. It also has an L bracket from Kirk attached to it. This setup weighs in at 8.13 pounds or 4.01 kilograms. Now this is the real life way that you want to weigh this lens. This is what it weighs. It might save a little bit of weight if you're using like a Z8 or one of the other small Z bodies. But if you don't think you wouldn't mind carrying this around for your wildlife adventures, at least you know up front how much this whole kit is going to weigh. Handling of the 180-600 to Z lens. This lens is really quite comfortable to use. Its internal focus means that it doesn't change weight when you zoom. And the zooming on this lens is great because you can quickly zip between focal lengths without having to twist your hand in some contorted way. This makes shooting with it very fast. Close-up focus range. So how close can it focus? This is always important to me as I, there are times where I can get close to something and I don't want to be blocked out from shooting due to lens limitations. This lens is capable of shooting insects on flowers. You can get close enough to be able to get that. So if you're out shooting wildlife and you see an insect land on something or is around a flower, for instance, you can go ahead and shoot it and not have to switch lenses. At 180 millimeters, I could get acceptable focus at about 48 and a half inches away from the subject. When zoomed all the way out to 600 millimeters, I had to be back 93 and a half inches to get that same focus. When I first did this test, I figured that at the closest focus point, both 180 and 600 millimeters would be the same enlargement of the subject. I was wrong there. At 180 millimeters, I couldn't get the same representation in the viewfinder of the subject as I would at the 600. The 600 in the subject was quite a bit larger. So keep that in mind when you're working with the closer ranges. Even though you have to shoot at a higher f-stop at 6.3 versus 5.6, you can get a substantially larger image on your subject than you can at 180 millimeters. And this seems like a pretty fair trade-off to me. One thing to keep in mind when shooting close-up subjects with this length of a zoom is your magnification is higher, so your subject movement will be magnified. Any movement in frame could cause a blurry image, so make sure that you have enough shutter speed to stop the magnified movement of the subject. Another test I did was focus holding. If you were to zoom up into something and grab a focus, could I then zoom out and have that subject still be in focus? While it's pretty easy to reacquire a focus when shooting stills, this need is more useful for when you're shooting video. As you'd hate to have the lens start hunting again for a focus right in the middle of a clip. So here are my conclusions on the Z180-600 zoom lens. Overall, I think this is a very good lens and I also think that it's frankly 
underpriced. I picked this up for just a little under $1,900 after tax and delivery. I think that spending upwards of $2,500 to $3,000 for this lens would be well worth it. If it's like most Nikon lenses that are new, this lens might be hard to get. Your choice would be to get on the waiting list right away or buying at a slightly higher price on, say, something like eBay. If you don't want to wait, I think it would be worth spending a little more for the quality of this lens. It's easy to work with, sharp all the way through the focal lengths, not too much of a beast to handhold, but it works great on a tripod or a gimbal because of that internal zoom, and you don't have to rebalance it every time you're changing a focal length. Is it great for low light? Mm, not really. At f6.3, when you're zoomed out to 600 millimeters, you will have to bump up your ISO. However, with today's cameras such as like the Z9 or the Z8, handling of high ISOs is pretty good. And with programs like Topaz Denoise, you don't have to worry about files showing up with too much noise these days. So get one ordered. While you may have to wait for your order to get filled, I think you'll find it worth the wait. Until next time, this is Terry Vanderheiden with the Nature Photography Podcast. <laughs>